0: we're back at it again. I I have another person with me today. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Who is she? Oh my gosh. Who is she? I don't know. You're Grace, right? Or am I Grace? Are you Grace?
1: I think I'm Grace.
0: <laughs> it's not Carter. It is Grace F with me. Hello, Grace. Woo woo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Grace F is just with me and decided to pop on by to do this intro with me. Um, yeah, How's your day been, Grace? Oh, my day was great. You know, yeah.
1: uh, it's a Monday, so yeah. I was grinding on the CNR Reporter earlier to get that out for you guys. That's right. Um, yeah, that's pretty <laughs> much all I did today. But nice. uh, you know what I'm really excited to hear about, what? Grace? I am so excited <laughs> to hear about GIS.
0: GIS? Yeah. What? You may ask what is GIS? Let me just tell you everybody. Okay. I'm curious. What is it? Yeah, GIS basically is a system that creates, manages, analyzes (laughs) Is my mom calling? (laughs) Hold on, let me let me talk to her. (laughs) Hi, mom. (laughs) It's okay. Um, can I call you back? Yeah, I'm just actually recording an intro for the podcast. (laughs) For the podcast. Okay, bye. Love you. (laughs) Okay, bye. Wow. I should put that in. (laughs) So what is GIS? You may ask people who are listening. What's Mm -hmm. GIS, Grace? Well, GIS is a system that creates, manages, analyzes, and maps all types of data. How wonderful. Isn't that something? It, that's so great. And you know what? We use GIS a lot in the College of Natural Resources. Yeah, we do. We sure do. Do you have an example at
1: all? Oh, yeah. Um, we used GIS in almost every one of the classes that we, we do up at Treehaven. Yeah. I remember we we mapped our 40-acre parcels um, for forest cover, soil type,
0: yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah. Cool stuff. Well, I met today with the GIS Instructional Administrator, um, Doug Muskoviak. No way. Yeah, I know. He's All like right. a celebrity, isn't <laughs> so, he? Yeah, I know, right? I know. For mm-hmm. GIS three forty one. Oh, yeah. Um, Basically, Doug is not a CNR professor in a sense, but i just decided just to interview him just to get a perspective from him certainly relevant yeah he has really good projects and i really think this is a really good episode and i'm excited for y'all to hear yay Woo! g-i-s g-i-s music
1: <laughs> so um do yeah. you want to start a podcast <laughs>
2: I'm Doug Muskoviak from uh, the UW-Stevens Point Geographic Information Systems Center. There, I'm the GIS Instructional Administrator, but I also um, teach at the Department of Geography and Geology. Mm -hmm. So for the GIS Center, I do a lot of outreach work with local communities, uh, sometimes state governments, sometimes not-for-profits. Um, commonly, we'll get a couple of grant contracts and have students um, perform the work for those agencies or individuals. Uh, the other portion of my job is related to teaching. I teach um, several courses in our Department of Geography and Geology, including Geography 341, our introduction to GIS. but I also teach our intermediate and advanced course in GIS now, uh, database management and design. Mm -hmm. and Geodesign for Sustainability and Resiliency, which is one of my favorite courses.
0: (laughs) Nice. Relating this to the CNR, you see a lot of CNR students in your 341 class, right? Do you see more in other classes too, or mostly GIS?
2: Uh, Many of the students uh, come from our College of Natural Resources from a variety of majors, and I think my major with the most students in is likely wildlife ecology.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But
2: of course, uh, our own majors here in our department uh, was at one time geography and geoscience. Now we have a new major in the geospatial sciences mm-hmm. and yes. a new major coming up shortly in uh, community sustainability. Wow. So I imagine soon that major will be attracting lots of students to my interest, right. <laughs> of
0: course. Right, right. Nice. Do you see a lot of students from you said earlier 341, getting interested in GIS and then potentially doing it as a career. Um, Do you see a lot of that as well?
2: Yeah, a lot of students that uh, choose this course end up um, coming to the course, not so sure about Mm -hmm. taking a technology course as a student in natural resources, but they quickly discover that it's less of a course about technology and more about a course in problem-solving in geographic space. Right. And once they um, come to that understanding that it's really about what they're doing already, it's, they're just using a computer to help manage the processes, mm-hmm. um, some of them really develop a passion for it. And some of them move on to uh, develop it into a career.
0: Nice. Yeah,
2: actually, I started out... Um, at the, what was then uh, UW-Marathon County, which mm-hmm. is now UW-Stevens Point at Wausau. So I guess at some point I was a pointer.
0: Right, <laughs> <laughs> nice, you're and back. I guess <laughs> then I was
2: a Husky. I guess they're still Huskies, aren't they?
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, but then I navigated down to UW-Madison. And at the time I thought I was getting engaged in the horticultural program. Mm-hmm. And uh, I quickly met with one of my advisors there. And after listening to me for about a half an hour on what I was interested in, he told me that I probably should also consider the Department of Landscape Architecture.
0: Right.
2: Because what I was describing was design, planning. um, And ultimately, once I, I made that decision, it turned out to be a very good one for me. The first thing I learned is landscape architecture is way more than plantings and hardscapes in your residential yard it it can have a regional and even um, a larger geospatial perspective than that have a lot of influence in how decisions are made
0: right we talked about the human impacts and um, the human resources side of it you know cnr students mostly use gis to map out landscapes but how you can use the data between humans just to convey it. Not it's not just natural resources. I never realized that, like with that one project that you had going on um, with the breast cancer research mm. too. Yeah, right. Um, I just never realized. Oh, that's you know to do human populations too.
2: Yeah, what's really interesting about geo design and even GIS to a large extent is. That it's really the human partnerships and the collaborations that mm-hmm. end up making a difference. Right. Uh, no matter how good your analysis is, no matter how beautiful your maps are, if you can't build a human collaboration to get those plans put into action, right. <laughs> they don't make a difference. They don't get a chance to. So GIS is one of those technologies, MAPS are one of those technologies that are really good at um, developing an emotional connection. They represent places where people live, where people play and develop these emotional connections.
0: So, did you have any, these classes could be beneficial to you. Did you have any doubts about that? Or did you, were you like, okay, sure
2: yeah there's there's always doubts right right um,
0: or anything I you would think change I changed my yeah. major
2: multiple times going from Marathon County to UW-Madison and even once I got to UW-Madison in the mm-hmm. Department of Landscape Architecture looking at all my colleagues around me that had a lot of artistic background that I didn't have um, right. I was definitely second guessing my career But once we got into the GIS portion of the analytics, it was something that the subject matter is something that I was intensely interested in.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And it turned out that uh, once I could leverage the computer to help me draw, I started to have a lot more fun with it.
0: Mm.
2: But until then it it almost felt like I was spinning my wheels. I didn't know exactly where I was headed in my career because I didn't have the skills to draw. I couldn't draw trees, <laughs> I couldn't draw hardscapes, yeah. couldn't draw in planimetric view, but I could create these maps. Mm-hmm. So I started uh, to really understand how I might play on my passion for landscapes. Mm. Um And then ultimately, after I took that initial course in uh, landscape inventory and evaluation, I then ended up getting an internship with Ben Neiman's office. And um, at that time, he was working with Kathleen Falk, the Dane County Executive, uh, trying to utilize geographic information systems to help with their current comprehensive planning effort. And their farmland preservation planning effort and their natural resources uh, planning efforts. Mm-hmm. And I got engaged in, in that as an intern and I think my first project was digitizing the <laughs> glacial geography of Dane County. And I was using old Unix workstations and arc edit which was a terrible Technology. <laughs> I didn't like it at all, and I didn't know the coding language all that well. But I, I tried. Made a nuisance of myself with my advisors in that uh, at the Land Information Center. First time I did it, I did it wrong. We did what was called a build and a clean, which was the topology rules of the day. And I had something like ten thousand errors in it. Oh
0: my place. gosh! Oh no! They're like, there's <laughs>
2: no fixing this. Thing. Right. You it's need not- <laughs> to go back to the drawing board. So after, I don't know, 60 hours digitizing the first time, no. I had to do it all from scratch. Oh, no! But then I learned, don't digitize the shared edge. And once you learn the hard <laughs> way, you never make that mistake
0: again. Yeah, it sounds like digitizing has, <laughs> ha- hasn't always been easy. Digitizing been has
2: never been easy. easy. And it's probably never yeah. been fun, except for people that really like monotony. Right. That's that's not me. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't monotony the, the first time. It became maybe a little bit more monotony after the... 60th hour. But it became a data set that we ended up using for analysis. Oh. And um, once I understood how these data sets were being used and the impact that they would have, it became very fascinating to me. <laughs> and then once I figured out that this is something that I could turn into a career, then I started doing a whole lot better in my coursework too, because now I understood where all this hard work was leading to. Right. And before I knew where all the hard work was leading to, it was just hard work. And then once once I found where the hard work was going, that's when I started doing a lot better in my courses.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, I see that a lot in students where it's like, okay, I have now I have something to work towards. That's yeah. it's tol- totally makes a difference. like, yes, I like this now. Once you get into your more, you know, junior senior classes to pass all the gen eds. It made yeah. all
2: the difference in the world for me. Mm,
0: definitely. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, what has been your like favorite project?
2: Oh, wow. A favorite project.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, well, some of the projects that I worked on as a graduate student were really fascinating. Um, again, the work that I started as an undergrad started to transition into work that I did as a graduate student at UW Madison. Mm. And Ben Neiman, my major professor, ended up getting a grant. Um, from Vice President Al Gore's office mm, wow. was for reinventing government. And it was our job to see if we could help, um, help local government make decisions that were more efficient, more effective, and ultimately more equitable. So more efficient doing something faster than you could in the old days mm-hmm. or more cost effective than you could before, more effective making decisions that are better than you could before, making decisions that might have more impact on society. And then more equitable, uh, where data is accessible, decision-making becomes accessible, and decisions are implemented more equitably, fairly uh, for people. And that turned into a national phenomenon. We actually got invited by ESRI to become the center of attention at their conference. now we're presenting in front of 16,000 people (laughs) at the (laughs) plenary session. Luckily, I didn't have to present then. It was uh, Ben Neiman that did the presenting. But then we were invited to the center of the conference where they put all of our posters on display in front of uh, all those 16,000 people at the conference. Hmm. And Jack Dangerman took us on all these nice tours of the local environments. And um, we ended up winning Vice President Al Gore's Hammer Award. For reinventing government, so it was—it was really a great first experience as a graduate student. Mm-hmm. Really, something that like, yes, this is exactly what I want to do. Wow! So I was able to take that here to UW Stevens Point, and actually, my first position was at the College of Natural Resources.
0: Mm-hmm. I worked
2: for uh, Anna Haynes at the uh, Clue Center for Land Use oh, Education, nice. and we were helping other local governments. I utilize technologies and help them uh, develop their comprehensive land use plans. So most of my work was done with Wapaca County and I had convinced Wapaca County to use a technology called What If to do their future land use (laughs) mapping, and that was really innovative. Nice. And uh, some of the work we did ended up being a template for other counties in the state to use technologies for their planning efforts as well.
0: Mm.
2: And in 2009, I ended up uh, taking the position here at at the GIS Center under a federal grant.
0: Wow, that's so fulfilling, like that whole um, experience with Al Gore. That's, That's wonderful to hear. That was in graduate school, right? With your internships that led you up to that point, was it just that one internship with Ben?
2: Yeah, the one internship um, turned in the one unpaid internship <laughs> turned into a paid internship, which turned into a position at UW Madison, which turned into graduate work at UW Madison.
0: Wow! <laughs> so under
2: Ben, um, I remember the day that I was working uh, in the office for Ben as a project. What was the position description? Hmm. Outreach specialist. Okay. Associate outreach specialist. this was before i went to grad school and he walks into my office puts his hand on my shoulder and he's like doug i think you need to go back to graduate school Mm. (laughs) and i want you to become my teaching assistant and the first year i completely ignored him i'm like you know i wasn't the best student as an (laughs) undergraduate i think i was a 2.9 maybe and school was kind of hard for me. Again, it's be largely because I don't know, I didn't know where it was headed at the time. Mm,
0: right.
2: Moreover, I never liked testing, I didn't <laughs> like homework and all that stuff either.
0: Yep. And
2: the next year he comes back to my office, puts his hand on my shoulder again. He's like, Doug. I think you should go back to grad school, <laughs> and you should be my teaching assistant. And I thought to myself, you know, this opportunity is not ever going to present itself again. Right. So I'm like, buck yeah. up, partner. <laughs> 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 Give it a shot. Take a right. risk. Yeah. So I took a risk, and I took the GRE. I'm quite positive I didn't do the best in my GREs, mm. but I got into the department of urban and regional planning anyway, and then um, paid me a stipend. Under his grant, probably because I had a whole lot more passion for the work. But um, again, I'm really glad he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself at the time.
0: That's awesome that advisors can do that, too, and other people yeah. in your life. Oh, yeah.
2: No, that uh, that professor is uh, very special to me. Yeah. So we ended up becoming lifelong friends afterwards.
0: Awesome. Wow. I think we talked about this before, but any advice you could give that younger self in deciding to go to grad
2: school yeah that's a good question what advice would i give to my younger self so Hmm. i did take chances i wish i would have took that i don't (laughs) like that word yeah Uh, the advice i would give to myself is uh trust your professors a little bit better Mm. and i don't think i did that i think i was skeptical of much of the stuff i was hearing and it's okay to be a skeptic I don't mind being a skeptic. I'm still a skeptic to this day in many ways. And sometimes I just have to play devil's advocate to try to understand the issue from various perspectives before I can find a perspective that I believe in. So I don't mind playing the role of, a, of the skeptic. But what I would, I think I would try to place more trust in my professors than I did say, you know, this reading that they handed out to you, just mm-hmm. not to make you do some work. They selected this reading because they believe it's gonna help improve mm-hmm. your body of knowledge to make you a professional that is useful.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it matters, yeah. It matters. What they do, yeah. And
2: sometimes I just ignored it. Mm-hmm. And um, if I had to give my advice, I'd be like, you know, do your damn work, Douglas. Right. When they give you work, do it. <laughs> Um, I attended every class, most of class, but I didn't do some of the, the readings, and that's one thing I would have changed.
0: Right. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we, we all regret <laughs> some things, but it's a hard question, you know. I always say to myself, I make excellent decisions, you know, like deciding different things, but in the end, it all works out, right? Yeah, I don't
2: know if I'd call them regrets. Yeah. Uh, it ended up being a comparison. And right. to me, what was the difference between undergraduate and grad school? It's because I finally knew how to how to study. I knew yeah. how to work. I knew how to take notes.
0: Mm.
2: I worked a little bit harder at it. And uh, I f- it felt good that I finally came to that conclusion.
0: Right. Yeah. Just needed that click, that boost. Wow.
2: But you got to find it on your own. Right. Nobody's going to find it for you. Definitely. And until I figured it out on yeah. my own, nobody was going to tell me <laughs> So whatever advice people are taking from this, they are going to be like, yeah, right. Yeah. And then five years from there, they're going to remember this podcast. Right. And you're going to be like...
0: Hmm, I need a band in my life. I need a Ben in my life. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> I need a band to tell me to kick it in here. Or That's a dog. Right. Or a dog. <laughs> um, what do you think some of the skills are necessary? You'd be um, really surprised,
2: yeah. I think. I still don't consider myself an information technology professional. Okay. But of course, that's primarily what I end up doing. In fact, many of my colleagues, they ended up in IT, but after getting trained on the job. So my skills were much more based in critical thinking and taking that critical thinking and being able to translate what I wanted to do with a plan and get the technology to help me to do that. So critical thinking was uh, the skill that I needed more than any of the others again i'm not an it professional i don't think i ever will be an it professional i don't like programming <laughs> languages and the benefit of modern gis technologies is you do not have to be an it professional to leverage your career in a very useful way mm. so if, if you want to be a forester be a forester that utilizes this technology to help do your job better if you right. want to be a hydrologist become a hydrologist and then learn how to leverage these technologies to uh, to do your job a little bit better or learn at least what the technology is capable of and then find somebody that is capable of utilizing that technology to help you do your job better. We do not have to do this job on our own. The world's problems are bigger than we are capable of solving all by ourselves and there's no reason we have to solve it by ourselves. So if you're able if if you've got the skills to build human collaborations, take what you are good at, collaborate with somebody else that is good at something else, and then develop a beautiful partnership (laughs) to solve these really hard problems.
0: Human partnership. That's what we're talking about. (laughs) Nice.
2: We finally made full circle, We made
0: made full circle. (laughs) Um, Speaking of partnership, are you involved in any projects right now or mostly teaching?
2: Uh, Right now, I'm mostly engaged in teaching, Mm. but the last few projects have been with a natural resource group up in the Hayward area, um, the Couture Lakes Association. Mm. And for the Couture Lakes Association, we worked in the Upper Couture River Watershed, which is home to Lake Lacouture, Grindstone Lake, uh, Whitefish Lake, and a few others and they're trying to solve the problem of excessive phosphorus and sedimentation of Lake Lacoutre. Um That project, um, if you take a look at the problems with the watershed, in precipitation, 12 billion gallons of water fall in precipitation in that watershed. If you look at the way water travels within that um, watershed, all 12 billion of those gallons of water are going to flow into Lake Lacoutere Mm -hmm. before they flow out of Lake Lacoutere towards the Mississippi River. So they know they're not in control of their own destiny. Even if they've (laughs) controlled all the sediments with the immediate basin, their neighbors in the other portions of the watershed, if they don't solve the problem of sedimentation and nutrients and phosphorus, they can't protect the fishery on Lake Lacoutere. So what we did is we analyzed um, agriculture's uh, contribution of phosphorus to the problem. We analyzed every uh, bit of land to figure out which agricultural parcels were most vulnerable Mm -hmm. to sedimentation and erosion. And then we took that analysis and we affixed it to the parcel. And once you affixed all that information to the parcel, you could figure out each landowner's potential contribution to the problem.
0: Wow. (laughs) So that was
2: was really profound.
0: Yeah. And it
2: was profound to the conservationists in the local area. In fact, the conservationist from the Natural Resources Conservation Service took our analysis and he met with every single agricultural landholder in the watershed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he said, this is your potential contribution. And they did analyses of their soils locally. And every landowner that Uh, person met with was willing to implement agricultural best management practices to help improve um, surface water quality and help improve the home for that two-story fishery. Wow. So that was a really (laughs) wonderful project to be a part of. We're hoping that eventually it changes the Clean Water Act here in Wisconsin for two-story fisheries from I think 15 parts per billion phosphorus to water to 10 parts per billion
0: to protect mm. cold
2: water fisheries. That's the ultimate goal um, for that group. But of course, I've, I've worked with health agencies. I've worked with the Marshfield Clinic. Uh, that was a fascinating project going back to 2010, whereby we got access to patient data, patients that presented with breast cancer diagnosis. And we figured out the relationship between breast cancer and simply the distance to the patient's healthcare facility. And we learned that the further a patient lived from her healthcare facility, uh, not surprisingly, the less likely she was to get her mammogram and the more likely she was to come away with a later stage breast cancer, which was harder to treat. Mm. Um, and we published that in multiple venues. So that's a project yeah, I'm really, really proud of. It. There's been a lot of projects that we've worked with students through the GIS center through the years. Yeah, um, yeah, And all very rewarding to see students succeed in utilizing the technology. So many agencies throughout Wisconsin and even elsewhere will contact me uh, with uh, available internships. Mm -hmm. So for this coming year, I think Red Mountain has contacted me, City of Bellevue, the U.S. Forest Service has come through the office. So there's typically anywhere from uh, five to 15 internships that Mm -hmm. come my way that Students should feel compelled to try to apply for. Another local one is TDS Telecom. What's very interesting to me is how those utility industries are really eager to hire natural resources students. Oh, yeah. Because not only do they want the GIS background, but they want to understand the relationship with different resources. Mm-hmm. And having that natural resources background can be very important for better planning for utilities.
0: Yeah. And also we have a whole land surveying class at Treehaven. So yeah, right. it's it's interesting how that all plays how that plays a role. No, there's into, a role,
2: all very good right. skills to have.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Would you like to say any last remarks or anything, any advice? I am always happy to meet
2: with students to offer uh, career advice. If Mm -hmm. you wanna see how GIS relates, how GeoDesign relates to what you do in the College of Natural Resources, I'm always happy to help make that connection. That was a presentation from Jack Dangerman, probably from about 2017, 2018, and talking about all of the world's really pressing problems, Mm -hmm. climate change, pollution, species extinctions. And he urged the entire GIS community. And at the conference, you get a lot of IT-like people there. And he urged every one of them to think about themselves as a geo designer. Mm -hmm. To integrate what we know about biology and ecology and sociology and human behavior and try to integrate that to solve these bigger problems in geographic space and using GIS as the technology to help integrate all these sciences together to solve problems. Mm-hmm. Um, so no matter what it is that you do at the College of Natural Resources, it relates to geodesign, design, trying to improve earth by design. Totally.
0: <laughs> That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm here, yeah yeah i think it's wonderful how i and now working in the ssc i've realized how integrated it is and going to tree haven it's crazy how everything's connected and how we can all help each other it's really
2: great to see students making those connections
0: yeah definitely